Hey, everybody, welcome to tonight's episode of The Recovery Scene. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Tonight, I have Andrea Canelo. Did I say it right? Yes, yes. Canelo or Canelo? It's Canelo. Canelo. Okay, so I did get it right. All right, so Andrea, coming from um, alcoholic parents, was, you know, as she puts it, the poster child for D.A.R.E. She was never going to use, but sometimes it turns out Peer pressure is a little bit stronger than the will, you know, of a teenage kid. But uh, as always, I am going to let, no, you're over here. No, you're over here. <laughs> the Zoom always messes me up. She's over here, you guys. She's that way. So I'm going to let Andrea take over because you want to hear her, not me. And um, yeah, so no and um, just take it away, girl. Go. Well, thank you so much, Leslie. Like I, like I know you as Mama K. Right. Like when I first, um, you know, came across you, you were like Mama K, and I have like followed you for like a little over a month now, and I just love what you're doing here. I think that it's so important to recover out loud, which wasn't my philosophy when I first started my recovery journey because I was afraid, right? So I, I love we all were at first, yeah, yeah crazy it's the stigma mm -hmm. yep it holds you back and like this is this is breaking the this is breaking the chains and it's a movement and it's a it's a much needed movement and I love it so um my name is Andrea Canelo. I'm coming to you live with Leslie here uh outside a little outside of Pittsburgh I say that but I'm a little closer to Youngstown Ohio so I could shout out two places but um yeah so I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it was like, how I got into recovery and what it's like now. Um, so Leslie told you a little bit, I had alcoholic parents. Um, my dad is actually a schizophrenic and an alcoholic, but he's also a workaholic. And I, I get that from him and I, I'm blessed to have that. So there's some things that I've got that I've learned that, um, that are blessings to me. Like my addiction isn't, isn't a bad thing. I'm just addicted to different things now. And it's right. It's, we just need to be addicted to the right things. <laughs> right. It, it takes, it takes phone and bumping on our head about 7,000 times to figure it out. But Hey, um, but I grew up in a small town. Everybody knew everybody, you know, my grandparents lived there and on and on and on. So, um, I was an, the oldest of three children. So I always had that, like, you know, taking care of everybody instinct in me. Um, my parents were both alcoholic. I mean, there were times where like, you know, I was the kid that sat on the school bus and like, just wanted my mom to not be drunk when I got home. Like, and that's, it's so powerful to talk about that now because I know exactly what I don't want to be for my children you know, because those feelings, you know, those feelings. Um, but so they were both alcoholic. They were both, my mom, my mom sold pot. Like, I remember I have a picture when I was a kid, there was a giant garbage bag full of pot in our, in our, um, like, this is like, this is real life in our kitchen and our weed guy or whatever. Like I had no idea. I was five. I was as tall as the bag and my mom took a picture of it. Like, but 
my head going in the scrapbook. Right? So my um my parents were together till I was about 13 years old. It was always chaotic. My dad had mental health issues, but he was always a work worker. He worked at the railroad. We lived in a railroad town. My whole family worked at the railroad, you know, so we had a really good paying job. My mom had every reason to leave, but couldn't leave him because he was stable. You know, and I truly believe they love each other, but you add the chemicals in. That's not my story. That's theirs. But they impacted three children along this journey, right? So um, at 13, my mom left my dad and met a guy that was a crackhead. So my, my mom turned into a crackhead at like, she was like 30 years old at the time. Um, and that like broke me. Like it, 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 it made me feel some kind of way. Like I remember crying. I remember cussing my mom out. I mean, 13 year old girl, you're full of emotions and all that anyway. And it was rough. Like I just remember breaking down and I, and I always was involved. I always wanted more. I always, craved social interaction. I was involved in everything. I mean, I was a terrible at sports, but I played them all. Mm -hmm. I was a cheerleader. I was the loudest, you know, like I just always craved like being a part of, right. I think that that's, that's the missing link. It took me years in recovery to find that out, but, um, my clean date is eight one fifteen. So, um, it's been, on February 1st, it'll be five and a half years. Um, oh, wow. You're the second person with almost the same birthday as me. It will be six years for me on February the 7th. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. So I'll celebrate a half and you'll celebrate the, my, I celebrate mine in August, but you know, my yeah. half, my little half there, but. That's awesome. Five years is fantastic. That is fantastic. It's crazy. Like I, I didn't think I would get a month, you know, so it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a miracle. It's a hundred percent a miracle. So I was like, like she said, I was a poster kid for do not do drugs, like drug abuse, resistance, education. They came with the cop car with the, with the red lettering. Like that was, I was that. And like, I would get on my mom and it was rough. Like we could talk for hours about some of the, some of the things that happened when I was a child, because my mom would have the dealer there on the first of the month and we wouldn't have any food. And then I'd have to go in front of my like cheerleader friends and pretend like everything's okay. Like years, like years upon years of pretending it and faking it. And like, and I kept going, you know, and then next thing you know, my mom would like say things to me as a teen, you know, young adult, like you're the mom, you know, cause I always took the lead. I need, I had to, I had nobody to show me. Right. Um, you had to grow up quick. Yeah. And it's, and I, and I, you know what, I look at that as, as almost a blessing, you know, like mm -hmm. it was part of my plan. So I don't regret that now. I used to use it as an excuse all of the time for any time I acted out or, you know, whatever it was, if I was failing college that week, or, you know, I just use that as an excuse. I know that that's not the way to live today, but it was very convenient to use then, right? <laughs> we are manipulative beings when we're in that addict mentality. And I think the quicker we break free from that, um, it helps us, you know, that growing. So um, anyway, I wanted to be a nurse because I, 
I wanted to make money. I needed, I needed to have money because I actually quit playing sports in high school because I needed money. I didn't have school clothes. All the kids were wearing all this stuff. I had, you know, rags or whatever. And like, so I quit all the school stuff. I was really money motivated. I, I needed to make an income because my parents obviously weren't doing the right thing with their money. And, um, I got a nurse aid job. It was pretty good money. I went to college. I, I actually had a hiccup where I was in an abusive relationship. I told myself I would never get into abusive relationship. And here I was, I found a guy and he was very abusive to me. Um, it was, it was hard. Um, because I craved to be loved so much because, and he loved me unconditionally, you know, I thought unconditionally at the time, you're like, I was 15, he was 18. We were together for almost four years. And I, that was it. I left the state for him, you know, like I was just like, I was literally independently living for a while. You know, my mom was always there in the background. I could always go back, but I kind of did my own thing, you know, um, and managed to graduate high school. <laughs> I managed to work full time. Like, so, you know, I, I dabbled in, in drugs with him, but I didn't do them all the time. He was definitely an addict. I didn't understand that, you know, I, I just thought people were like me at that time. They could stop when they wanted to, you know, I could, I couldn't understand why people wouldn't stop doing like, you know, I could do this and then I won't do it. My off switch eventually broke, but at that time it hadn't broken yet. I was one of those that had an off switch at first too. Yep. Yep. And then it just snapped. <laughs> it's out. I don't know. It tricks you, man. It tricks you. Cause you know, you think you're good. And so that relationship ended and I, I met the guy, the guy that I'm with now, I'm 30, I'm 37 years old. And I was 19 when I met him. And I thought like, this is the guy, you know, like, and I did, I love him. I still love him today. He saved my life. Like God put, like, if God put him in my life for a reason, because mm -hmm. if it wasn't for him, I would not be where I'm at today at all. Um, so that's like my biggest blessing is like in life is him. I actually called him my higher power. I know that's a little bizarre, but you know how you, you like, you know, you, you follow that in early recovery. You have to look to something, yep. you know, whether it's the court systems or whatever to keep. I him. always told people at the beginning, your higher power is anything that gets you out of your head. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter exactly the court system, your kids, you're, you know, that's only a temporary fix. Eventually, you know, you have to find what your real reason is and, you know, but yeah, <laughs> it's anything that gets you out of your head. Step two. I love step two. <laughs> it was like, it always went to him. Like it was always like, you know, that he was that tangible person I could lean on. Now it's more spiritual because, you know, we're only human. You can't depend on another human that much. You know what I like? Mm -hmm. So, you know, now I have a really great relationship, spiritual relationship with a God of my understanding. And, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's crazy for me to even say that, but, um, it is, it's, it's amazing. But, um, so I met him and I knew, like, I always had like this 
just target, you know, I'm like, I'm going to get married. I'm going to go to nursing school. You know, I'm going to do all these things, right? I'm going to have kids. I'm going to plan everything. We're going to do everything, you know? Um, and I, and I slowly started checking those boxes and checking those boxes. And then, you know, the, all the way through nursing school, I abused, um, you know, I don't know. I don't really want to get into what I, 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 I sped my way through, let's just say, like, I abused the heck out of some Adderall. I, like, I literally was popping those things like Tic Tacs, and it was, you know, it got out of control. I think I gave myself ADHD, if you want to know the truth, really. <laughs> but somebody that doesn't have ADHD, it's, it's gonna, you know, yeah, I have ADHD, but it's untreated, because I cannot take Adderall, because I want to take 10. <laughs> So it's never, ever enough and never. So yeah, that was actually, um, that was like a hard one for me. It's, you know, I, there are still days I wake up and I'm like, damn, I wish I had more energy, you know, like this coffee ain't cutting it. He's freaking whatever, you know, it ain't cutting it, whatever. But, um, yeah, that was like my go-to and it was like, okay, whatever. You know, my friend, my bet, one of my best friends in nursing school, we got through together. Um, she was prescribed it. I'm like, this is cool. You know, we would stay up. I'd pass nursing school. Things would be good. I also got into harder things. I was like smoking crack and like, it was bad. It was, it was like, you know, that's what really took me down. And and I think that this is, and this is uncomfortable. I haven't did a lead in so long since COVID, but um, I would, this is so jacked up guys. Like I would bond with my mother and smoke crack. Like that makes absolute sense. I mean, that makes absolute sense. Mm -hmm. Look, I, and I, I mean, I liked it. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I did like it. I didn't like the icky feeling after to the point where like, I crave to do it more, right. but I crave the attention of my mother. And it's that sick. It was a way to connect. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we would connect, you know, like, and, and it was bad. Like it got, it spiraled out of control because it, it was an obsession. Like no other for me. Like I, I would just, and I wasn't like the person that could do like go for weeks and weeks. So, you know, and then sleep for a little bit, lose like 500 pounds and then go back into, you know, no, I would like go to work. I'd work my shifts, you know, the whole time, you know, it's talking to me, it's talking to me. I I get my money, get everything, get it all together, plan it out. My husband couldn't know my husband never did drugs. Okay. That's, that's like one thing. And then I would meet up with my mom, blow all my money, you know, or like, but it was like, and I, it's weird to say this, but it was like responsible because I still paid all my bills and I still did all the things because that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was funk. I was hundred percent functioning. Um, alcohol was never my thing, but I worked at a bar and I would get drunk occasionally. And it was, it always ended bad. It always ended bad. Always. My brother is younger than me. And he would, he tells me all kinds of stories. I'm sure I blacked out multiple times, but um, I, I'm well, grateful for the drugs. Because I would black out and my friends would tell me embarrassing, horrible things that I did. And my running joke was, <laughs> so glad I wasn't there for that. <laughs> I know. So that was my running joke. Now it's funny because I'm in recovery and, and I'll say things like, huh, glad I wasn't there for that. And all my friends are, oh, but 
before it was like, really? But yeah, no, I am. Mm-hmm, I get it. <laughs> it's cra- it is it's so crazy. Like, uh, I'm just I'm grateful for the drugs <laughs> because they got me in the rooms faster. I would. So yeah, but uh, I don't know. So that I bonded with my mom, and then I got, you know, I got married. Um, ended up, you know, we lived in my grandfather's house. We ended up buying my grandfather's house. We were fixing that up, and I got pregnant. I'm actually, I went to nursing school. I became a nurse. I, I, I'm like talking to you, like you know, my whole life, but it's there's you know I'm 37 I feel like I've lived multiple lives at this point but I went to nursing school and like I said I did that I did um had to roll the whole way through nursing school I really focused I really wanted it I really knew that it was my ticket to a better life um but drugs were it drugs in between made my life unmanageable you know what I mean like um I skimmed by I got by I got the degree um I got the job. I was laser focused. I wanted a labor and delivery job at a small town hospital. And guess what I got it? And guess what? I destroyed it too. But um, at first I worked in a small town ICU. My friends were the potheads, the pothead nurses. Um, you know, we, we flock, man. We find each other. It's like, a, it's like a, you know, we ping each other and we're like, yep, they're my people, you know? And it's, I'm still friends with them today. And they don't, they, they actually saw what happened to me because I had to go through a professional group and I had to piss in a, I had the pee test and all this stuff for like three years. So they actually took it seriously and they, they were older than me, but yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't, really wasn't hard. I really wasn't into like the harder stuff because I was basically just smoking pot, hanging out and like kind of getting my life together and I got pregnant and everything like stopped, you know, I just, I didn't do anything. I knew what I didn't want. I knew, I, I exact, I knew exactly what my mom did to us. And in, in the middle of all this, I actually took my brother in because he was living in a really bad situation. I'm so proud of my brother today. He is an awesome dad. He is so awesome, but he lived with us for a while, which challenged my marriage. Um, grateful that he do have some sort of, like we gave him some sort of stability through it mm-hmm. even though I'm crazy we still talk he knows I'm crazy but whatever but in in the middle of all this going on he was there too my little brother um he's seven years younger than me and uh I don't even know where I was going with that but so I knew that I didn't want for my kids. I knew that I didn't want to like that. I knew I definitely wasn't going to use anything while I was pregnant. And I had my baby and he was perfect and he was gorgeous and he's nine today, but he was like, I mean, it was great. And my mom was, my mom passed away, but it, she was at the end of her life. I wouldn't say at the very, she didn't know she was at the end of her life. I didn't know she was at the end of her life, but she slowed down a lot. She mm-hmm. wasn't doing as much as she used to do. You know, she found a guy, they were pretty stable. They still used together. I knew she was crazy, but that didn't impact my life at that point. And she was there for me. Um, I had questions. I was a new mom. I needed my mom. Right. She was there for me. So I was, I was grateful that, that I was, you know, I had that, but 
I had no, to that point in my life, I had no healthy coping mechanisms at all. And here I am with this baby and I had severe anxiety because my mom had a baby, her first child died of SIDS and he was six weeks old. And then his mom had a baby boy when, um, and he, and she, he was stillborn at like 36 weeks or something. So my brain, I was convinced, this is how crazy I am. I was convinced that my son didn't have an arm. And because I worked in labor and delivery, I was delivering these babies and there was a baby that came. I actually had one of my coworkers give me, it was a doctor. I worked at West Penn hospital and there was a residency program. So we worked hand in hand with the doctors and I would have, I had her scan my belly. I had my regular doctor give me another anatomy scan. I was obsessive because I just, it's crazy. Like I was that anxious about my kid. I was like, I don't want nothing to be wrong with him. And I think that that that's not that I think that it is. I know it's normal. Other moms feel that way. Other moms want their kids to be okay. And I think that, um, I think for me, I was just so, I had no idea how to deal with the energy. If my doctor at that point in my life would have said, um, here's some mom support groups, you know, like I, I, I failed at breastfeeding and I felt like I was the worst person on the planet. Like, it's just crazy, you know, and being a labor and delivery nurse, we pushed the breastfeeding and it's just those little things in life that you don't think are affecting people. They're affecting people. So just be kind to people because it's crazy. So I went to my daughter. Excessive personality too. Yeah. You know, we're going to obsess about something, whether it's babies or drugs, or like right now I have a serious problem with kids' cereal. Yeah. I'm always thinking of ways and means to get more, but yeah. I'm like the same. The other, last night I like crawled out of bed and I'm like eating the Rice Krispies. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not doing this tonight. We're not doing this. And here I am. Yes, we're doing this tonight. (laughs) Crazy. Oh God. So anyway, okay. We fail at breastfeeding. Okay. So, um, actually uh went to my doctor I remember crying in the shower I would call work and say can you call me off because they'd mark nurses off if they didn't have a lot of patients and I remember they needed me to come in there for four hours and I cried in the shower my husband was like what is wrong with you and I just had this unrealistic fear I was leaving him I wasn't ever going to see him again it was just it was the most bizarre feelings I'd ever felt in my whole entire life it was like that attachment with your baby and it's weird (laughs) but I went to my doctor he's like this is okay this is normal I love my doctor um and he was like here's some Xanax and here's some Celexa which I hated um and I and here I am you know I'm manipulative I convinced my doctor I had a regular delivery and I know that regular deliveries never go home with Percocet guess who went home with Percocet hello this girl You know what I mean? Like it's, we're so manipulative, you know? And like, so the Xanax I hated, um, cause it just put me to sleep and mm-hmm. I wanted to be awake and watching my baby breathe. <laughs> and the Celexa was so weird for me. I just had really bad side effects from it. It was, I didn't like it at all the way that, it, so I weaned myself off of that without telling my doctor, of course. And then he was of like, told me, you know, I, I, you know, I self-medicated for so long. And then, um, 
I started taking the pain pills and that was like the reintroduction of like, here's the game, let's play, you know? And, um, it just spiraled out of control. Like, you know, I, I basically lived in a drug house growing up. I tried, I tried multiple drugs, so I wasn't afraid of it. It was really familiar for me. Um, you know, look, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? So looking back, I know that's why, you know, like some people were like, there's this big epiphany and they're like, this happened to me and this is why I use. For me, it was so familiar. The people that I love the most on this planet, my mother and my father used the hardest drugs imaginable when they're alive. So it was familiar to me. And if it helped my symptom, why not take it? You know? <laughs> Normalized. So that was it. You know, it's, it snowballed. It started with Percocet. And then, you know, and then of course, like I come from the crazy family tree. My aunt was an addict. Um, so like her boyfriend was selling me pills and, you know, it just, it was just, it was so easy for me to get. It is so easy for anybody to get. If you're seeking it, you will find it. I promise you. And one thing led to another and fast forward a couple years, I'm like shooting dope. I, um, kids I went to high school with, they were a couple years younger than me. They were the dope dealers. Um, and my story gets a little interesting here because here it gets interesting. I, I know. I know. <laughs> so in the middle of all of this, my husband has many, um, many, uh, he's one of those, I'm going to try this job. I don't like it. I'm going to try this job. I don't like it. I'm trying. He's the hardest worker I've ever met, but if he doesn't like something, he's getting into something else. He was a contractor. Didn't like it. Lawn care. Um, he actually, now we own a landscaping business. Um, he became a police officer. So, yeah. So I was a living with the police, man. And um, he was the police officer in our town. Um, he That's all he really did. He ended up not liking it and getting out of it. And the, for the money he was making, it wasn't really worth it. But um, yeah, so one of the biggest dealers in our town, you know, they were following him. And they had all these text messages from me, little old me, you know, like it's so many layers of jacked upness that we get ourselves into and we think we're smart. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you think you're smart, you're not like, if you think you're smarter than the police, you're not. So like, I'm just telling you, like, I know, I know it's so true. I mean, there are going to be people listen, listening to this going, oh, whatever, whatever. No, <laughs> just wait. Yep. Mm-hmm. We all think we're so brilliant and then we're pulling one over. Listen to me. People know you're using. People know you're drinking. Whether you think they do or not, whether they want to admit it or not, on some level, everybody knows. Just put that out there right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody knows that you think you're so smart and sneaky, but you're falling asleep on the couch, you know, like... And that was a big, that was a big thing for me too. Like it was really refreshing to hear my friend say, yeah, Gina was telling me, that's my husband's name. He was telling me like, you know, this is what she does. Like I went to go see my best friend in the whole world. She had a baby and I was like nodding out on her couch and he, you know, she shared that with me. She was like, you know, we had a conversation that day. Like he was like, she does this all the time, you know? So like they know they just don't, they don't want to admit it to themselves. They don't want to bring it up. They don't want the confrontation. I'm an 
huge asshole when I'm using. So I'm going to fight you tooth and nail and say I'm not because that's how, that's how I am. That's how I am when I'm using. I don't like her. I don't like her at all. She's bad. She's ugly. <laughs> but yeah, so it just, it, it got really bad. I got a DUI in, um, my mom passed away in November and she knew she saw it. She had conversations with me was like, don't do this, Andrea. Like I would go upstairs, do what I needed to do, you know, come, come back down. And she'd say, why do you keep leaving? I know what you're doing up there. What if you die up there? What if you don't come back down on here? You know, I had lost my job as a labor and delivery nurse at a small town hospital. Um, I didn't get turned into the program yet at that point. Um, but I got fired. Uh, I tried to get my job back. I'm like, I'm getting my job back. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you get fired because of a drug test or what happened? Um, I got fired for, um, poor attendance and not mm -hmm. clocking in and clocking out, but, but hindsight's 2020, right. And looking back, they were like, do you want to go to our, you know, such and such program, which was like the work program to like go to rehab kind of thing. And I, I was like insulted. Like, <laughs> What do you mean? I'm good. You know, like, so yeah, it's crazy, but I got my, my mom passed away and she would say like, you have a good life. You have a good husband. You know, you need to quit complaining. She would tell me like, you need to take your Suboxone. Cause I was on Suboxone at that point, you know, we, we try, we try to trade one for the other. Mm -hmm. It was, and I hated it. I hated every minute of that. I, I just did that because I didn't want to be sick. And I didn't want to tell everybody, you know, that I'm this big cop, you know, but so she passed away. It, I didn't eat. I didn't sleep. I lost so much weight. I was sick. And, you know, my old friend came to comfort me. I, you know, I called the dealer, you know, and it's just like snowballed again. And then in February, I started working at a nursing home. I was a nursing supervisor. Everything was good. It was actually a nursing home that I was a nurse aide years previous. So I knew a lot of the people that worked there. It's like coming home, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I got back on the horse. I got the job. Everything's good. And then I got my first DUI. So, and I was trying to detox off of dope. And so I took some, um, Ativan, mm. like a dot. The patient had already passed away, but I, I was the one that got to dispose of the narcotics. Oh, good. <laughs> so, so I, I was trying to with, you know, I was trying to detox myself and, you know, I, I had all the answers. And the next thing you know, I ended up having like a syringe in my, it wasn't like a regular syringe. It was like, a. it didn't have a needle on it. You know, it was like mm -hmm. a, and so I, I was like, I, I don't even remember any of this because like benzos were never my thing. And so I was completely out of it. And I remember telling the um, police officer or um, my husband remembers me telling the police officer um, that I was, I was wasting that medication or something. He was like, you kept mumbling. And then um, I guess the next day I even, I drove my car and stumbled across, I totaled that car but I drove another car, my husband's car to pay the sewage bill and a family member saw me there. I don't remember any of this. I really overdosed myself on that, that time around, but I, because I wasn't familiar with 
my body wasn't familiar with that kind of drug, but I was detoxing. So first DUI, I didn't go to jail, just wrecked the car, went home. Um, and then my, so I was like, I'm going to clean my life up. I got to clean my life up because that syringe was on me. The police officer called my job. I lost that job. So I lost that job. Now I'm unemployable, you know, like what the heck's happening. So I immediately, I went to this other place to get a job before like a police report would go in, blah, 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 all this stuff, you know, we're like, whatever. We think we're cunning and baffling, but really, so I got the other job, secured that. And then my dog died, like right after my mom died. And I always share that because that was like, it was like a double hit. Like I felt helpless. It was, it was terrible. It was, you know, and once I got the job and I started excelling, I got a promotion at the job, you know, I was like, well, you know, let's celebrate, you know? And then like, it just was a, it was like the end of my run. And I just, I don't know, it was bad. My relationship was bad. Everything was bad. And then I decided that I was going to quit in July when we went on this vacation. So I, bought a bunch of stuff, did it the whole way down. We drove down, um, got some stuff to detox myself while I was at the beach, like Suboxone and stuff. And then I came home. It was two days I was calling. I'm like, I'm ready, you know? And um, it wasn't even a couple days later. It was like actually a week from the day I came back from vacation. We went to Outer Bakes, big family thing, his whole family. I mean, it's, crazy looking back like how embarrassing was that I didn't care so it was a week later and I did a controlled buy I got set up Uh my son was in the car and they said if my son wasn't in the car that I would have been like they would have had guns out get on the ground it was at a local gas station I it was Friday I was in scrubs I was ready to party for the weekend I had everything I needed me and my son walked into a little gas station we got two grape sodas and two oat milk cream pies and I walked out and I was arrested I had to call my fam I had to call my husband's family to get my kid my husband ended up showing up. He had been cutting grass all day. He, he, I'm so glad I was in the cop car because I thought he was going to kill me. Um, and then I, I sat in jail for 10 days. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> it was, it, it literally saved my life because I needed that abruptness. Like, like I, I listened to a lead before and it's, it, she couldn't have said it per, more perfect. Like, they were angels dressed up in blue suits that handcuffed me and took me to jail. Like those were my angels, like literally. So yeah, that was like the start of my recovery. And I got into a nursing program. I actually got out of jail and had to lose. I am going to share this because I think a lot of people go through this. I got out of jail and had to lose my regular health benefits because I was fired from a job, I had to lose my regular health benefits so I could get welfare benefits to get into rehab. How about that one? And they didn't really believe me at the bail office or whatever, because they, you know, they've heard every lie, but I'm like, no, for real. So I had to go through all of that to, you know, get peed test and all that stuff. Um, but eventually 30 days after, so I had 
almost 30, almost 40 days when I got into rehab, it was like 32 days or something. Um, but I white knuckled it. It was crazy for like five days or something. And, um, my husband was taking my kid from me facing divorce. He actually let me come back to the house. So I knew like there was a chance, like I could, I could do this. I, I don't have to give up this, my family. I have to do this for them. Right. And, um, I got in and I met, I went, you know, I flocked right to the people that wanted it. Like I did, I didn't want, I, I, at that time I was 32 and I want, I wanted to be around people that wanted it. I didn't want to, I, I would see these, I would like, there would be like 40 and 50 and 60 year old, um, people at, I'm on here, babe. 40 and 50 and 60 year old people at rehab. And I'd be like, no, I can't do this. Like I cannot, this was my first rehab. Um, I had no idea how to see, stay clean. I had no idea about of the big book of AA. I had no idea about narcotics anonymous. So like, it was like, I was back in call. I like treated it. Like I was in college. Like I wanted to soak it up like a sponge and those leaves would get up there and I would get so afraid because they'd be like, I was clean for five years and then I relapsed. And I'd be like, what do you mean? I like, what do you mean? Like, how does that happen? But, um, yeah, it scared me. I was like, I'm going to go through all this and then relapse in five years. Like it was, it was crazy. We think we, I think so far ahead in that, in what this taught me, what, what me falling and it was the biggest blessing was to take it one day at a time, one moment at a time. I was broke for the first time in my adult life. I would, I had no money. Like I, I had, you know, I have a dollar. Do I go buy a double cheeseburger? Or do I put it in to the NA bowl that comes around, you know, at the beginning of the meeting? Right. And it was just so humbling. I lost my nursing license. I had to, get in a program, pee twice a month, do- document all these meetings. Plus I'm still having the court system. Um, so, but all of that had to happen for me. Cause like I said, like my husband was my higher power. This court system was my higher power. Couldn't drive. I actually took the bus to work. I was like, you know, I finally got a nursing job again. I still am there right now. So it's, it's, really awesome. People are like, you need a different job. I'm like, no, I don't. I love it there. Like they gave me my chance. I, exactly. you know, can I make really funny, you know, like I got all of it back, but now I have options. I put myself in this box for so long. And I was like, I'm a nurse. I'm going to do this and this and this, this blessing of recovery has opened my mind. It made me stop. It made me quiet. All of the stuff that Andrea thought was right. And it's, God said, here, here, slow down. I got this other thing coming for you. Wait. And I sat home. I cleaned the house, which I hate to do. I started cooking dinner every day, which I hated to do. You know, like people say like, clean, clean up your side of the street or whatever, or, Mm -hmm. or give back acts of service, you know? And I was like, well, I need to do home group and all this stuff. Well, for me, I did get a home group. I did get a sponsor. I still, my sponsor celebrated 30 years. She is like the queen of NA. I love her. We need to get her on the show. She's yeah, master. Yeah, we do. 
But um, yeah, she's recovery queen right there. Yes. <laughs> we have the same birthday, December 4th. I, I heard her at a Halloween nighttime meeting. My husband thought I was going to use because I was with a friend that I had <laughs> with. And I went to go see her. It was a candlelight meeting, Halloween party. And she was like tough and I need somebody tough. I need somebody tough. And she was tough. That's not everybody's thing. They, some people don't like to have a tough sponsor, but I needed that. But, um, yeah, so it's, I was sitting at home. I was, you know, acts of service for my family for the first time. I was like, it's a deal to like put dinner on the table. Like, people discount that kind of stuff. And in early recovery, I realized like that is fulfilling, you know, like not now I hate it, but <laughs> in early recovery, when it's all you have to do, like, like it's huge to like give back to your family. And, um, you're dead and in early recovery, you feel like a champ, Yes, you know, and sometimes I still do <laughs> depending on the day, be like I have pants on and my bed is made. I had a good day. <laughs> one lady the one guy said he goes like it's a miracle that I can make a pop tart today you know like we were we would laugh like that was like our laughing joke for a while like (laughs) because I'm like I make eggs and bacon and you know I was like it was three months in and he's like that's like a miracle like I I made pop tarts the whole first year like (laughs) so we had a running joke for a little bit I I used to go to AA meetings too a lot um, a lot of old timers and I, I like enjoyed it. I enjoyed the AA atmosphere. I love the NA atmosphere, but I, I felt like um, I had so much FOMO around the, the young ones. And I was like, I want to hang out with them. They're so yeah. cool, you know, <laughs> but I realized, you know, that wasn't my path. It wasn't my path to make a bunch of friends in NA, even though it's a great thing to do. Um, so but yeah, it's just been, it's been amazing. Like I sat home, my husband was, um, you know, wanting to get out of policing. He was working, uh, three jobs at the time. He was working as a bellman at the, uh, at a hotel and he was cutting grass. And I said, babe, we should do this. You should go all in on this grass cutting thing. And that's how that was like the start of it. And like, now he like works for himself. I do all of his billing. I do, um, you know, I, the whole first, second year, like, like probably six months in, I was like a weed whacking. I was his like helper. I was cutting lawns and working 70 hours a week. It felt so freeing. And I wasn't like ashamed of it. Cause it was something I was working towards. And I, God, I lost so much weight. I felt so good about myself. Like it was just like, it just made me think outside of the box even more. It made it like, that's why I say when God hand delivered this to me, he was like, you don't have, like, why are you checking all these boxes? Like you aren't even living life here, lady, like slow down. And like, that's what, that's what we've been doing. Like he has a helper now and you know, I work as a nurse, but I have a nine-year-old little boy. He was three and a half when I got in recovery. He never, he, he, probably never remembers any of that um I love how your cat wants to be in the interview by the way that's hilarious she's she's been in this whole thing she's been with me since I she's like 18 years old she's like affirming you like yes girl share (laughs) give that shit girl her name is sexy by the way because I was 
19 years old when I got her. So she's 19 years old and blind in one eye. Oh, wow. So she's been through, through it all, but yeah, I have a two, he'll be three in March. He's never seen me use. He, you know, it's, it's so crazy to think that, you know, six years ago I was starting the, my last run, you know what I mean? Like, right. And it's, it's a daily, it's a daily thing. Some days it's worse than others, but I don't, I don't have to obsess about that anymore. I no longer obsess about doing any mind altering substances ever. Like it's amazing. And when I, when I do have like a bad day or I feel challenged or I feel crappy, I can call my sponsor. I've even opened up a little bit to my husband. I didn't do that a lot in early recovery. Um, but I was super anonymous about it. Uh, especially during, I just paid my fines off too. I had the blower on my car for a long time. Like people don't realize how long it affects you. Oh, the wreckage of your past. And even if you don't get caught, it, okay. it affects, you know, you have a lot, the destruction we left in our wake and all the making up we have to do. And <sighs> oh my God, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. But like, it just, it ended up all working out, you know, like, yeah, it's crazy. I just, I just paid my fines off. Like last spring, I finally paid those off. So I got off of probation and then like, I, I didn't go to, I haven't gone, gone to a lot of me- in-person meetings because of COVID, right. but my sponsor runs like a halfway house and like I do zoom meetings on there and, um, I, I actually had a sponsee. I no longer have her as a sponsee because she found another person in her home group and that's okay. But I love her. We're friends. And the fact that like somebody came to me to like, for my experience, strength and hope was like amazing to me. Like, it was like, wow, there is power in spreading this message, you know? And, um, and then like, I'm telling you like TikTok recovery I know. <laughs> oh God. It's so good. It's so freeing. Um, like I said, like I paid all my fines, I paid off probation, you know, I no longer in or in the um peanut program, which is like the nurses in recovery program. You mm-hmm. have to pee. I had to get hair cut out to get like a hair strand test, blood test, all this stuff, you know, they like make sure you can't even in our contract it said don't eat poppy seeds, you know, because some oh, right. To somebody, you know, definitely use that one, yeah. you know, to try to get out. Why? But, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For all of us. Now I can't have a sweet onion chicken teriyaki dough. No. That was the first thing I ate when I got off of, like, the peanut program. That's I know. funny. I would have had no idea. Yeah, it has a ton of poppy seeds in it. So I was like, I can't eat that no more. Oh, wow. That's wild. Like, we get in recovery, we like to eat. Like, <laughs> I look forward to that. Oh, my gosh. Andrea, thank you so much for you know, coming on here and just being willing to be vulnerable and share a story and recover out loud and, you know, not be anonymous. I, I really appreciate it. And so does everybody who's going to see this. You have one heck of a story. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. I think it's awesome what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and tell everybody where they can find you on TikTok. Oh yeah. So 
Um, my TikTok name is Andrea Marie Canello. So that's how you find me. And um, yeah, I'm trying to spread the message over there because I think that there's something to be said about spreading it out loud. Like let's recover out loud because they think that we're doing a huge disservice by keeping it quiet, you know? Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the recovery scene. You all take care of yourselves and remember addiction isn't pretty, but recovery is beautiful. See you next time.